As a finance professional, you're constantly looking to learn from the best. Do you want to meet them? Join me and our panel of top industry experts at our next CFO Leadership Live event on August 24th in Dallas, Texas, as we talk with three CFOs about the challenges that finance teams are facing today and how best to overcome them. The workshop includes a complimentary buffet lunch and the chance to network with other DFW finance leaders. Head over to CFOLeadershipLive.com to secure your seat. Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Amy Mir. Amy serves as the Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer of Capital Bank in Madison, Wisconsin. Amy is responsible for the IT, human resources, and finance areas of the bank. Prior to joining Capital Bank, Amy held a variety of roles from auditor to controller to CFO and had experience in a variety of projects and initiatives. She holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Accounting and Finance from Edgewood College in Madison. She is also a member of the Council for Catch, Community Around the Children's Hospital, the chair for the Executive Committee for Madison's Light the Night Walk for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, on the board for the Wisconsin Bankers Foundation, and chair for the Finance Committee for Habitat for Humanity of Dane County. In 2019, Amy was recognized as one of In Business Magazine's 40 Under 40 in Dane County. And in 2020, Amy was an Athena Young Professional Award nominee. Amy, thank you so much for being my guest today. Yes, thanks, Megan. I'm looking forward to it and excited to be here. Yeah, today we're going to be discussing your experience as a CFO and how you've been able to leverage LinkedIn as a business development tool. And as someone who's always looking for ways to better utilize tools such as LinkedIn to build brand awareness, I'm really looking forward to learning from you today. So let's get started. Great. First, let's start with you. Tell me about your career progression and and how it is that you got to where you are today. Sure. Um, Well, I started my banking career really in college. I worked as a teller when I was a freshman in college and then um, moved to a different institution in the Madison area um, and worked within their product management um, department and focused in on how different products um, performed and things like that. And then after college, I went to work at Whipfley, which is a public accounting firm here in the Madison area, um, and did a stint in tax and um, audit in different industries, but really knew that I wanted to get back into the banking industry. Um, at its core. So transitioned into the financial institutions group and did some work, um, both internal audit, kind of looking at internal processes and procedures, and then financial statement audit. And I worked at the public accounting firm for about four years. um, And I learned a ton during that time. And it really, you know, proved to me that I, I was passionate about the banking industry and Um, at the time had a client that was going through an acquisition and had a a need for some additional help within their accounting department. Um, and I was doing some consulting for that client and then that turned into a full-time job offer. Um, so I went into that bank as a senior accountant, 
um, and got an opportunity to really build up the department. Um, after the acquisition, they grew and doubled in size overnight. So they had um, a need to really dive into a lot of their processes and procedures and internal controls and reporting and things like that. So I really got to put my hands on everything, which was awesome and another great learning experience. Um, during my seven years at that institution, I went from senior accountant to controller. Um, and then the president at the time retired and our CFO was promoted to president and I was promoted to CFO. So um, it was a great opportunity to essentially build the department from you know, a two people department. And we had about eight people when I left um, a couple of years, well, three years ago now. And um, they were getting ready to sell. The, um, the owner of the bank was looking to get some liquidity for his family. So they were getting ready to sell. And I stumbled across an opportunity to come to Capital Bank. Um, the CFO here was getting ready to retire. And they reached out to me and asked if I would be interested. And it felt like the right move at the time. Um, and so I've been here for almost three years. And um, in my role as CFO at Capital Bank, I oversee accounting and finance, um, IT, HR, uh, facilities, and project management. So I wear a lot of hats, um, but we're about a $480 million, $480 million institution. Um, we've got two locations, one in Madison and one in Verona. We're building a third location right now, which should open up um, in early February over on the east side of Madison. So um, we're in growth mode and it's really exciting to you know, be where we're at today and um, getting to learn even more as I go and um, continuing on in my career. Yeah, that's wonderful. And um, personally, I love wearing a lot of hats. It's so much more exciting to go into work every day when you get to do a lot of things. Yes, exactly. I never really know what my day will bring. And sometimes that's great. And sometimes that's a little <laughs> bit more difficult, but um, pandemic especially, you know, has thrown some curveballs at us, but yeah. uh, it's, it's exciting. I, I really enjoy it. So as you look back on your career, are there any stories or moves that stand out in your mind as turning points? Yeah. I mean, as I think about this, I think each step in my career has really, you know, pushed me in new and different ways given me new opportunities um, as I've gone through. But to me, the biggest one that has really kind of pushed me the most and, you know, allowed me to open up with different passions and freedoms has really been my move here at Capital. Um, when I came to the bank, you know, they have a really strong focus on community and being involved in nonprofits. Um, and different organizations throughout the community. So we have roughly 60 employees. And as an institution, we sit on over, um, over 40 different boards for nonprofits in the area, which to me just speaks to our commitment to the community. And in my role here, I also get to do, you know, various different business development um, opportunities and things like that, that I really have a passion for. It's, it's not your classic CFO, you know, job description of, of going out and doing some sales and business development, but it's something that I really, really enjoy and getting the opportunity to pair the, you know, classic CFO of working on the budget and putting together financials and doing all those things with the passion of being out in the community and, and joining those two, um, those two things in my everyday 
you know, job has really been, I think the turning point for me because it's allowed me to just fulfill, you know, everything that I am, not just one piece or the other. Yeah, that's great. Um, Would you consider yourself an extrovert? Just out of curiosity. You know, for the most part, um, I think there are little pieces that I would sometimes say introvert, but I am largely an extrovert. Most people that know me would, would probably say that, you know, wholeheartedly. So, and as you look at the role of a CFO, how would you say that that's evolved over the last decade or so? Yeah. You know, I think it's an interesting question. Um, I certainly think that CFOs have had to become more strategic. Um, they've had to get away from, you know, just looking at the numbers every day or looking at the balance sheet income statement and understanding the movements to really understanding the why behind it. Um, They've had to lift up and, you know, look at the connection between the sales and the operations team and make sure that they're pulling on, you know, the, the parallels between all of the different departments to fully understand what's driving the performance behind it. Um, I think CFOs are definitely shifting to become more of an educational component within the um, institution or organization. You know, I find myself really trying to, instead of just present where we're at from a financial aspect, also train our employees as to how we're getting there or what it means. You know, what is ROA, ROE? What is our net interest margin? How how is the bank actually making money? Because I think what that does is also allows them to understand how they fit into the overall picture. Um, you know, so that that bridge of, you know, being kind of between the departments and what they're doing on an everyday basis and tying that back to the strategy and the execution of that strategy. Um, to me, I think that's one of the biggest change that changes that I've seen over the time is, is that, larger connection and that larger purpose. Yeah, I don't think it's possible anymore for the accounting department to function in a silo like like it would have been maybe 10 to 15 years ago. Agreed. Yep, wholeheartedly. So as a community bank, how does Capital Bank compete with maybe some of the bigger U.S. players? What differentiates them? Sure. Um, You know, as a community bank, and I could say that for many of the community banks that I I know in our area or, you know, throughout the country, even, um, we can do a lot of the same things that the big banks can do, you know, the mobile apps and the Apple pay and, uh, mobile deposit and business online, you know, all of those things are things that your big banks, um, you know, tout and focus on. But I think the important thing about a community bank is truly, you know, the word community and the tie back to the community. Um, you come to a community bank for a relationship. And when you're working with, you know, anyone here at the bank, you know who you're working with. You know them by their first name. You've likely had an in-person meeting with them. And if not, you've at least met them through Zoom or a phone call. But when you pick up the phone to have a question or or make that phone call, you're actually getting somebody to answer on the other side. Um, And I think that's something that we really take pride in is making sure that, when you're doing work with us, you know who we are and we know who you are. I think that really helps from a lot of different aspects. It helps with just the the customer satisfaction, but it can also help with, you know, fraud attempts. I think about a, a situation where we had 
a phishing email that was sent over to us um, by one of our, you know, I'm using my air quotes, one of our customers um, that wanted to add somebody to their account. And, you know, they sent the email to do this. And because we know our customer and we knew that that was outside of the normal um, procedure that that person would have would have taken, we were able to catch, you know, some potential fraud on their account. And, you know, I think every bank has, has, you know, community bank or larger has these processes and protocols in place to hopefully catch those types of things. But because we know our customers and we have that relationship, um, it just adds more value, I think, to the, the um, experience that those customers have with us. Um, and then, you know, like I spoke about a little bit earlier, our ability to get involved within our community, you know, we're going out to the golf outings, to the galas, to the, um, the fundraisers and all the different things that these nonprofits are giving back to the community, but we're just as involved in trying to be there to give back to the community as well. Um, you know, we support the basketball teams and the small communities. We support, um, you know, the soccer clubs and the optimist club and, you know, all the different things that really makes a community, you know, and it brings the glue together with the people in that community. Yeah. I don't know how many times in the last 18 months I've said customer service is dead, but sounds like maybe I need to switch to a, a community <laughs> bank. You might need to. Yes. <laughs> um, so how have you been able to utilize social media and specifically LinkedIn to help build Capital Bank's brand? Sure. So LinkedIn has been just a fantastic tool um, for both myself, but also the bank. You know, when I talk about our community work and our nonprofit work, LinkedIn is a platform that really allows us to highlight some of that in a way that isn't, you know, bragging or touting, you know, everything that we're doing, but really just sharing the effect of, um, you know, bringing those relationships together and, and getting out in the community and, and doing various things. So, you know, I think it, it helps us to highlight those connections that we're making um, and gives a better understanding to our, our customers, our shareholders, um, our prospects, you know, anyone that we're talking to gives them a better idea of really who we are at our core. Um, you can walk into the bank and have a conversation and maybe never hear about some of the things that we're doing out in the community. But if you were to go look at our website or our LinkedIn profile or our page, um, you would likely see some of that stuff. And I think, you know, it's, it's just a way for us to, to really highlight that in a different manner. Um, and, you know, also promote some of the nonprofits and the groups that we're working with and, and spread their, their mission a little bit further. So br break your LinkedIn strategy down for me. What are your tactics for getting views? Sure. I think the biggest thing is having, you know, consistent quality content. Um, I think about, you know, right now we're going through the project of um, building a third branch and I go out and do construction site visits every other week. And so putting up some pictures and highlighting what we're doing on a consistent basis, you know, whether it's every other week or every week, sometimes, you know, just trying to highlight some of that so that when people see it, they've got something else to tie it back to. Um, that being said, I think you can do too much on LinkedIn as well. You know, it's, it's really trying to find that happy medium for you as a person. Um, 
so that when you're out there, you know, you're, you're doing what's true to you. Um, another, you know, tactic of trying to increase views is, you know, highlighting and tagging other people. So on LinkedIn, if you're typing in, whether it's a picture and you're putting a, a caption to go with it, or you're just typing in a status, if you type the at symbol and then start typing a name, you can actually tag somebody. So you can type at AMI and my name would likely pop up um, if we're connected. And then you can tag somebody within your, your post. Um, to me, that's one of the better ways of really trying to um, expand your reach because you're getting not only the people that follow you on LinkedIn, but you're capturing the people that follow the person that you're tagging as well. Um, the same can be true with um, names of businesses. So you can tag at Capital Bank um, and you can you know, reach further that way too. Um, lastly is you know, hashtags are... Um, are popular on LinkedIn. So, you know, I use the hashtag of hashtag community bank quite often. Um, you know, just something that if somebody's following those hashtags on LinkedIn, it's likely to pop up in their, in their feed. Um, I guess the other thing I would say too is on LinkedIn, you know, all the algorithms are driven so that it's, it's highlighting things that you're either posting or that you're liking or commenting on. So if you're out there and you're liking other people's posts and you're commenting on other people's posts, that's being seen by the people that follow you or, um, or that you're connected with. And I think that will also, you know, expand the reach of the people that you're commenting on. Um, so really being an engaged user that way is, is helpful too, because I think it shows the things that you, um, again, that you like. Um, and it, it highlights those to the top of the feed for others so that they can have a better idea of who you are and what you're looking at and what type of quality or what type of quantity, sorry, what type of um, context and stuff you're looking at. So it's, uh, it's yeah, there's a lot of different ways to use LinkedIn. Um, and all of those things, I think, really just help you over time to get a better feel for what you're doing and, and what you're highlighting within LinkedIn. And, and these are tactics, tactics you're using on your personal page and not necessarily Capital Bank's LinkedIn profile. Um, actually, you can use them in both places. So I use them personally. Um, our marketing person, our marketing director runs the Capital Bank page. So she uses the same tactics from time to time. Um, so they can be used in both places. And I know you've touched on this a bit um, by posting like events that are going on, but how does the thought leadership reach on LinkedIn differ from in, in-person interactions like live events? Have you been able to replace maybe some of the live events that you would have held in the last 18 to 24 months that you weren't able to, or is, is it really just like an, an augmentation tool? I personally think it's, more of a compliment to what you're doing in a in an in-person space. Um, you know, to me when you're on LinkedIn and you're going through, it's a it's a one point of a singular point of contact that really allows you to focus in on one topic, you know, whatever that post was or you know, whatever the article might be that somebody posted, you're really focused in on whatever that that 
content is. Um, when you are in person, obviously you can have better conversations around, you know, wherever the conversation takes you, you might jump to three or four different topics, even in a five minute conversation with somebody. But what I really think is nice is, you know, with LinkedIn, you can scroll through and pretty quickly, you know, see what people are doing and what they are involved with. And then when you see that person at an in-person event, you can really quickly draw on that experience that you, um, that you saw on social media and say, oh, hey, I saw that you were at this event. Can you tell me about it? And I think it, it just allows for those relationships to progress faster in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I can't tell you the number of times that I've been at an event and somebody who I've never met before, um, will come up to me and say, Hey, I, I saw that you're on LinkedIn. I follow you. You know, can you tell me more about this project that you guys are working on? And, and it, it takes, you know, some of that getting to know you phase out of that conversation and really allows you to jump in, in a different way. And, you know, to me, I've met so many new people through, um, through LinkedIn connections and things like that, that it's, it's really been a great augmentation, like you said, for those in-person events and, um, and complemented it really well. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I've never really thought of that, but that probably takes out some of the, um, I mean, it helps for people to feel like they know you as a person and, uh, feel more comfortable coming up to you. I'm sure in certain circumstances. Right. And it's helpful too. I mean, I just had a lunch today where, you know, you, you hop on their LinkedIn profile to get a refresher of, okay, where did I meet this person? Where did they work? You know, what's their past been so that you can just have that history and, and study up almost, um, before you have that meeting, but it is helpful. And, you know, I think you're walking into a meeting or an interview. If, you know, if you're interviewing for a new position or recruiting or something, it's really helpful in those um, in those instances as well, because it just gives you that that context that you can pull off of. So as a CFO, um, how can you work with maybe your director of marketing or your CMO to increase brand awareness? Because typically this is an area which which I would say normally falls in their arena. Yes, I agree. Um, however, I work really closely with our um, marketing director on this stuff. So, you know, to me, your brand is, it's more than just the logo on your building. Um, it's really in the fibers of who you are as an organization. Your brand shows up in your board materials, in your financials. Um, it shows up on your website. It shows up in your social media. It shows up in your culture. You know, it, it, your brand is, is embedded into who you are as an organization so as CFO, especially given that I oversee, you know, HR um, and IT and some of these other areas, you know, brand reputation and brand recognition is something that I think about a lot. Making sure that we're aligning our, our strategies, our goals, our messages all back to that brand and, and stay, staying true to who we are as an organization is really important. Um, and, you know, kind of playing between the strategic side of where are we going and what are we doing and who are we and combining that with everything else that I just mentioned, making sure that the reporting that we're putting out is reflective of, you know, who we are as an organization, whether that's a shareholder letter, 
or our board materials, which are largely internal, but, you know, still, um, still reflective of, of who we are. So I think, you know, understanding how the CFO role and a CMO role or the marketing director role can, can complement one another and, and work together. I think it also helps with that direct line of communication to um, have the marketing person understand really what the, the goals and directives of the institution are to, you know, I think about budgeting. Every marketing director wants a larger budget and rightly so because it's expensive to advertise and do things. But, you know, if we have those really open and honest conversations about, you know, what does the budget look like and how can we better utilize tools like LinkedIn, which is, you know, not very expensive to market on. um, I think that relationship just allows for those conversations to happen a little bit more freely and really allows for, for more success in that space. So what benefits do you think that Capital Bank has realized from your efforts on LinkedIn? Um, You know, honestly, I think we've brought in some new followers. Um, We certainly have expanded our reach from, um, you know, just a a brand recognition perspective, like I mentioned. Um, I was able to pull a few stats, actually. And, you know, our Capital Bank LinkedIn page has over 1,400 followers. Um, we saw a 33% increase in 2021 and our overall social media following has grown by over 87% just in the last year. Um, our LinkedIn referral traffic to our website has increased 92% this year. Um, and we've really had a lot more employees that are engaged on LinkedIn, um, so I think kind of the combination of myself and a few others within the organization that really, you know, try to post content that can be shared and liked and commented on, um, and really, you know, focus in on making sure that we have a presence on LinkedIn. I think that's really driven a lot of, you know, those stats and those numbers. Um, but I think the other thing too is, you know, as, as CFO, when I'm posting something or when I'm out in space talking with somebody, I'm not usually received as a salesperson, right? So I think the the barriers when somebody's talking to a quote unquote salesperson come down a little bit. And so, you know, we can have different conversations and we can highlight on different things, but it's building that relationship so that when they do have a banking need or, you know, they do need to call on somebody for some advice, you know, they, they think of us. Um, and really that's what we're hoping for is we're hoping for new relationships. You know, if I get some sales out of it, great, but that's not my, my primary concern when I'm out on LinkedIn or even out in space with, you know, um, business development, I really just want to drive those relationships so that we can make additional connections, um, network a little bit. And then when the time is right, hopefully we'll be their, their bank of choice, but if not, that's okay too. Yeah, social media is such a powerful tool when used correctly. Um, but it is a fine line between seeming kind of salesy and you know just providing valuable content. Right. Yes. Exactly. It's a very fine line. In fact, you know the banking industry is regulated around what we can put on social media and what we can't. So we do have to be very careful. But um, but you know, like I said, highlighting the the fun stuff is 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 perfectly acceptable. So. Yep. And keeps you top of mind. Yep. Um, So what would you say to a CFO listening who maybe doesn't think that this topic pertains to them? You know, I, 
I would say if it doesn't, if you think it doesn't pertain to you, because maybe you're not on LinkedIn or not on social media, um, it likely does pertain to your organization. So having a better understanding of, you know, how it can be used or what the benefits are um, can really help you engage within those strategic conversations or gain a better insight and understanding into what your marketing and sales, you know, departments are working on. I think there's no harm in knowing more and understanding. Um, I also truly think that if you're going to be active within those spaces, you have to be true to yourself. And, you know, if it's just not who you are to put things out there like that, and, you know, if you're not going to take a picture of yourself in your golf group and, and put it out there in the summer after you go golfing, that's okay. Not everybody needs to do that. Um, and not everybody needs to write articles, you know, for LinkedIn or, you know, push a bunch of content or, you know, there's a lot of people that will take videos of themselves and, and, you know, talk about things out on LinkedIn, LinkedIn. I know that that's not necessarily me. So I don't do that. I think you need to stay true to, to who you are. And if LinkedIn isn't for you, then at least understand that it might be for other people um, and understand that there can be benefit. But, you know, again, if, if you're not going to play in that space, that's okay. Um, but having a good understanding of it, I think is, is helpful regardless. Yeah. And that's so true. I think it, no matter what you're doing, it's important to be authentic. Yep. Agreed. And it's crazy to think about, but as we wind down this year, what goals are you setting for yourself for 2022? Oh, 2022 is going to be an exciting year. Um, you know, as I've mentioned a couple of times, we're launching a new branch and I've been the project manager on the build. So I'm really excited to um, get that branch up and running, get it open, have a few, you know, grand opening celebrations. And that's honestly one of my biggest goals next year is just really seeing that through um, to success and, and making sure that we put everything into it that it deserves. Um, additionally, the bank is preparing to hit the $500 million asset um, milestone, which if you're not in the banking world, doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, but you know, for us, it's, it's a milestone that changes a few things um, internally. So a lot of our governance and um, kind of internal controls and things will, will be adjusting for us. So we're, we're preparing for that. Um, and really, you know, as I look to next year, my hope and my desire is that the world opens up a little bit more than it is right now. Yeah. Um, and we can, you know, get back to doing some of our in-person events for these nonprofit groups that I'm on, you know, um, namely I'm on a, a board for a community around the children's hospital or catch is the, the name for it. And, you know, with the children's hospital, everything's been on lockdown completely. We're not doing a lot know, just because COVID was so, was so serious and it would be great to, you know, have an in-person event where we can truly fundraise for the kids like we used to. Um, so getting back to doing some more of that stuff. And again, you know, I'm really passionate about that work. I, I would really enjoy doing more of that next year. Um, and then kind of on the personal side of things, I've got a few, um, few goals. I want to complete a triathlon next year. And, wow. you know, I might even throw a half marathon. I'm, I'm going to say that on here and hold myself to it. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's just, I'm, I have big goals for next year and I hope that we can, we can 
get to all of them. It's very exciting. Yeah, it sounds like 2022 is going to be an exciting year. And I am also hopeful that it'll be more normal. Um, yes. Seems okay. inevitable that it, any day now it's going to it's gonna get back to the way it used to be. I, I hope. Let's get through the holidays and yeah. we'll all cross our fingers. <laughs> so lastly, what is keeping you up at night these days as a CFO? Yeah, I think the, you know, really just the uncertainty of the times that we're in right now. Um, you know, specific to banking, we have tighter margins and we're potentially looking at lower non-interest income next year, which really just means, you know, banks had decent revenue off of the PPP program that was um, rolled out at the beginning of COVID. And that revenue is is pretty much dried up at this point, which is good because, you know, that means banks or businesses are out and running and, and doing what they need to do. Um, but it means less revenue for us. Um, and, you know, tightened margins, which just essentially means we're, we're making less because the rate environment isn't as advantageous for banks right now. Um, but hiring and re- recruiting really good employees, I think every organization has that on their list of, you know, with unemployment and, and just the numbers for jobs, the way that they are right now, the economy is, is in a place that is unprecedented and trying to figure out, you know, how do we make sure we can continue on if, if we don't have the right people in the right seats? Um, it's a big, big concern. Um, cybersecurity is one that will always um, be on my mind, you know, with the increase in ransomware attacks and, you know, different phishing and, and all different things that you hear about in the news. Yeah. Um, cybersecurity is, definitely towards the top. And then culture is one thing too, that I always have on my mind. I want to make sure that we, you know, continue on as, as an organization that stays true to our values and, you know, recognizes our people and celebrates our people. Um, and, you know, is a place that people want to work. Um, I certainly love where I work and, and I'm really happy to be here, but I want everyone else to feel that way too. So, you know, I think those are the main things. Um, there's always going to be something different that'll pop in there, but but those are certainly the ones as I look towards next year and beyond. Amy, thank you so much for being my guest today. Yes, thank you, Megan. I really enjoyed it and I appreciate the time. Yeah, I really enjoyed speaking with you and hearing about your experiences. You've given us a lot to work with uh, to leverage LinkedIn as a business development tool. And I appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. And I wish you and Capital Bank all the best. Sounds like uh, both of you are going to have a really great 2020. Oh, thank you. And same to you. Next year will be great for everyone, I hope. Yeah. To all of our listeners, please tune in next week. And until then, take care. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personif. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personif can do for you by visiting personif.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personif. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personif.com. Thanks for listening.